Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. This is episode 12 and I'm your host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge every single Friday on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. And the best way that you can support is, of course, to rate, review, subscribe. Maybe you found us on Twitter. Well, there's over 10,000 followers over there. Why don't you tweet out this podcast if you're enjoying it? Maybe you found us on Instagram. There are fewer than 10,000 followers over there. Maybe you would like to add this podcast to your Instagram story. Mate, I don't care. Write someone a letter or as we've encouraged before, if you have friends and family, maybe you'd like to act it out word for word, take a character each on your balcony or in your local theatre club. Of course, social distancing rules apply. Okay. Hey, let's get into this because I've got a long one and I cannot think of anything else to say. Here we go. Episode 12. Here comes a call-up sheet. Uh, have you got, like, just checking, Ross, I assume you have, but are you doing call-up sheet? Yeah. All right, sweet. Um, okay, uh, Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. This is episode 12. Holy shit, I can't believe it. And uh, we've got four guests here with me today Matt Brummett, Matt Connolly, The Sultan, Shafi, no big introduction needed this week, and Ross the Boss Casey. We're going to throw straight over to Ross to lead us through the call up sheet. What gimmicks have we got this week, Roscoe? Hey, Dom. Um, thanks for the introduction, as always. We've got six this week. So, um, Let's see how we go. We're starting with just the first and only British entry for the week. And it's Craig from Teesside, whose Twitter handle is Movies Like Zoos. Is Teesside Tyneside? Fucking <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You've got to get in a lot of trouble for that, Dom. <laughs> I, like some, you can't. Someone's got to educate me there. No, I don't know. I'm just like in Queensland. Queensland. My bad, Jeff. Right. Is Teesside Borough? Is Borough? Yeah, yeah. Teesside Borough. Wayside is Sunderland, and Tyneside Newcastle. Newcastle. They're at Teesside's are Smoggies. Can have sm- uh, sm- Smoggy Craig and his <laughs> weapon. His weapon of because uh, he's got. It's, we've got to go proper old school British, right? It's all about regional stuff, and he's gonna like. Uh, or what? Uh, what you call his foreign object will be a chicken palmer. Chicken palmer. I his his tag team partner can be Mark Viduka, but not at his peak. <laughs> that's all. That's all I know about Middlesbrough. Sorry. I was going to try and squeeze a Janino reference in, so we'll leave Viduka though. Viduka's better. That's my top three. Top three favorite ever football songs is um, the the Mark Viduka, Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. So, God tier. Shame, uh, shame that nobody went with the uh, movies like Zeus thing, but it's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> um, was it was it Zeus slagging? Our, like we've got like just because we've got three hundred fans in North Bergen doesn't mean we can start slagging off Smoggy Craig. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Jesus. Movie like I. All I could think of was Zoolander, like movies like Zoolander. I quite like Zoolander, but I I assume that's not what he meant. I don't want 
I don't want to uh, disrespect him twice. It's definitely not what he meant because it's not what he said. <laughs> yeah, but it could be. But like you know, our name is wrestling Zeus, should be right? fun. Zeus, Zeus is in the God and the and the Hogan opponent. No, Zeus as in going to, to see the animals. Oh, sorry, Dom. I take that back. Apologies, mate. Do you think that, like, do you think that it's a reference? Like, we can cut this out now, but do you think that that means, like, he would rather watch animals at a zoo than watch a screen? Is that what that means, maybe? I, I can't figure out that Twitter handle. Anyway, love it to have you here, Craig, from uh, Tyneside. Um, anyway. <laughs> Away the lads. Next up, we've got Eric Brown from Surrounded in Mass Shadows. I, I, it's got to be an, it's got to be an emo gimmick. Eric Brown surrounded in my shadows. I think that's just that just writes itself. It is, uh, yeah, Jeff Hardy's writing his entrance music. <laughs> surrounded by mass shadows to me suggests that this guy is perhaps um, challenged in terms of height. He's quite short. Everyone's bigger than him. <laughs> They're casting shadows over him, so he's he's going to be the next coming of Hornswoggle for me. I think. <laughs> or or he can be in the new Hulk Hogan TV show. That's not new. That was in like 2011, Ross. All right. <laughs> MCW represent. Yeah, but yeah, but that's modern for Superstars 93, Ross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the future. Uh, next up, we're going to America. It's Chris Ravensflock from Baltimore. He's from Baltimore. That's the wire, right? So we'll give him a a wire gimmick where he's a super fan of the wire. And he 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 models himself on Omar. I it so obviously like the first thing I thought about was like Ravens flock like WCW Raven but then I remembered the Baltimore Ravens um it's probably more likely to be that right so maybe this guy likes NFL and wrestling um so I think he should be Moose's tag team partner in Impact I think actually to disrespect him I think rather than calling um him Chris Ravens flock I'm gonna call him Steve Filthy Animals (laughs) (laughs) and we're heading over to Eastern Germany with Submissioner Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I love it. I mean, yeah, he's booking himself. <laughs> Submissioner Gordon. Brilliant. <laughs> Fucking, by the way, like, the Germans get wrestling, I think, more than anyone else. I think to a lot of Americans, they kind of see as like, oh, yeah, Brits really, like, properly into their wrestling and get it. But, like, Fucking like you speak to German wrestling fans, they're just like I think I'm a bit of like a work rate dickhead, and like all my like favorite matches they'll see as like the most mainstream ever. It's like speaking to that Radiohead fan that only listens to like the Japanese B sides. That's like German wrestling fans, like they just know it inside out. But obviously, well, Cage Match, which is like the best wrestling website ever. That's a German website, right? And it's like yeah, those kids yeah. know this, and all the and and literally, I'm sometimes like doing. Uh, Sorry, you can cut this out, Dom. It's boring as fuck. But when I'm when I was doing the all Japan stuff for you guys, I was like going back and using like cage match as a research and Google translating all the German comments because they were the really interesting ones. There's like oh, an American right. said, "Oh, Masawa hit really good elbow, great." And then the Germans like going in massive in depth comments about, well, in the 31st minute, there's a callback to the Champions Carnival 1982, and it's like, yeah, they just fucking they love their wrestling. I. I, I was just going to say that the Radiohead fan that only listens to the Japanese B-side, that's anyone that's been to watch Radiohead live in concert. They don't play the hits. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't play the hits. Like, don't give a shit. 
Yep. And and like when I went and saw Radiohead in concert, I had to pretend that I wasn't upset that they didn't play the hits. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't want Submissioner Gordon to judge me on my Radiohead knowledge. <laughs> that's that's Submissioner Gordon's gimmick. He just comes out to like to rare Japanese Radiohead B B sides and then judges the fans who don't sing along. <laughs> so like every week his opponent has to name a Radiohead song to, to like whether they're going to pass the grade or not Next up we've got Shakim Empire from Brooklyn Fucking hell that's another sweet name isn't it Great name I what about Shakim the Brooklyn Dream Oh like that Done. <laughs> not funny though <laughs> I like keeping Shaquem Empire because his finisher would be Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> as long as he doesn't end up in the Empire with Osprey, I guess. He probably wants to stay away from them, lads. <laughs> Smart move. And finally, we've got Richard is a who dat from somewhere. <laughs> is that his government name? <laughs> <laughs> So he's got a dual identity crisis, both who dat and somewhere. He doesn't know yeah. either who he is or what his location is. <laughs> I like more serious than Ray. Yeah, he definitely he, his gimmick's got to be he works for MI5, right? <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks for um, sending in all of your uh, submissions, everyone. Some fantastic names. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Okay, I guess we should. Uh, it's been a big, heavy week of wrestling. Um, I have watched more wrestling this week than uh, in previous episodes, so I'm looking forward to talking a little bit. Uh, let's do what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Um, Connolly, I know that you've been busting to talk about blood sport, mate. I think I feel like you should. Well, I say that because it's a couple. It's like it's over a week old now, so I feel like we should lead off with that, just so it's you know not fresh in people's minds. But you know, uh, it's probably going to be the second oldest thing we talk about this week, other than Superstars nineteen ninety three. Yeah, um, I have been dying to talk about Bloodsport. Um, I know Brum's watched it. Uh, Ross Shaffy, have you, you guys got round to seeing it all? Um, it's really. I've only watched the main event, um, but it's, I, I looked earlier at the time of it just to make sure. And I was like, it's a 15 minute match. It's actually only 11 minutes, um, but it feels like you've watched uh, a long match because you get so, well, I anyway got so much out of it. So brutal. Um, both of them and Crimson Masks is just perfect. Obviously uh, every wrestling match is better with blood. Um, as long as it's, you know, in this sort of environment, it just works so well. Every strike felt legit. And it made that when, like, there was a moment near the start of the match where I can't remember because it was over a week. I watched it now. Uh, someone hits a DDT on the other one and it feels like they planted their brain into the mat. It's so impactful because it's surrounded by all this, like, grapple fucking and elbow strikes that they hit, like, three wrestling moves in the match. I think Barnett towards the finish hits a Death Valley driver from memory that is just like bananas. And uh, I will talk about the finish because it is over, you know, two weeks old now. So I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. But um, like, I was so shocked that Moxley lost. Like, I, I know it is Josh Barnett's blood sport, but 
I still expected Moxley to win. And the finish is just so perfect. And like Moxley's reaction and sell job on the finish is chef's kiss. It's just amazing. And they do a joint promo afterwards. And Moxley is stewing through the whole thing, still in character, just fuming that he's not won this match and it's been stopped and that he has no option but to go with the rest decision. They perfectly set up for a rematch and it will do gangbusters like it. I loved it. I know you've seen it, Brum. You equally as in love with the match as me? Yeah, yes, basically. I, I think your points were spot on as well. I, I think that's a, a, a great comment about how it felt like an epic, but it was only 11 minutes. It felt long. And like, and the, oh, there's just so much like minute stuff about it. And the, I thought the commentary team did a wonderful job. Yeah. There's a great bit I, where, um, hmm. where, where Mox is just railing on Barnett and they're just like, oh, Barnett's done. And then... Barnett just does from well from in a professional wrestling way. What's well, a simple reversal? He just kind of rolls over. So Mox is then on his back, and like I don't even think like Barnett's in full mount or anything. He's probably just in guard or something like that. But like just for the fact that he got out of it and he got on top, which in an MMA point of view, the commentators would react like that, and and the and the commentators on this did, and it just made it feel like just so legit. It was just done. And you know, I'm not one of these guys that was like pro wrestling's got to be you know done exactly like a sport but this was one example where it worked so so well and i thought the commentators did an incredible job um and yeah but yeah just basically completely completely agree with that um i'd say it's my i don't want to play some but I'd say it's in, in my top three blood sport matches i think the like suzuki barnett is is incredible as well and to use as a let's do some proper professional podcasting. I'll do this to I'll use this to segue into the other thing that we didn't get to talk about um, last week. NJPW strong. And I just said NJPW New Japan strong, um, which was uh, Lawler Walter from Bloodspot. If you've not seen that, is brilliant. I, I mean, it's as a rule of thumb, everyone's best matches against Walter, but Tom Lawler's really was at Bloodspot. But anyway. Uh, New Japan Strong, he fought um, Brody King in the final of the, I don't even know what it was called. It was like the New Japan USA Cup. Was that right, Ross? Do you know that? Um, yeah, that, that, that's correct. Yeah, and then, and, and which he, which he then won their new, what is it, like the Never US belt or something they're calling it? Like the US open weight belt or something. I, I literally don't know what they're calling it, but whatever that is, um, that was actually a pretty good match. I, d- I didn't, I didn't see a lot of chat about it online, but I, but I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was dead good. And what's even more exciting, it's setting up him against his stable mate, um, uh, Chris Dickinson for the first defense. And I think that if it falls right, could be match one a match of the year contender. I think Lawler and Dickinson, like they know each other really well. They're both really fucking good guys, but haven't had a the match yet. Like that, I'd say about them. Like I said Lawler versus um, Lawler versus Walter's really good. That oddly, the best Chris Dickinson match I've ever seen is is against Chris Statlander um, of of, of AW fame, and like the best agenda match I've ever seen. But these guys, I think, both have got so much talent, and I think this could be a barn burner when they fight next. So. Um, I, I would. It's definitely worth checking out for for you guys that have people that have got uh, New Japan World. I think it's a match that could probably fall under the radar with everything going off. But yeah, a uh, Lola Lola King, watch it. So pretty good match on the SmackDown, right? SmackDown main event. 
Uh, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. I had a bit of a look at that today. I didn't watch it really closely, but I, I enjoyed the build to it. I really enjoyed the Cesaro promo before, not, not a promo, the three seconds of Cesaro talking ahead of it where he just said, um, you know, Daniel Bryan's my friend. He's going to win, and then I'm going to beat him for the Universal title. I enjoyed that. Um, and then the match itself, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine Daniel Bryan ever having a bad match in his career. I don't know if he has. Um, but uh, Roman Reigns is a bit like that at the moment. Just everything he touches is amazing, right? That I thought the whole episode of SmackDown like was fantastic. I don't watch SmackDown week to week. Um, I saw a jump in when Sally grabs me, and I, it was potentially Daniel Bryan's last match, so uh, obviously storyline-wise. So I thought, I've got to watch this, and the show built it up perfectly. You said about the Cesaro promo. So many wrestlers cut really good little between like five seconds or 30 second promos on the whole way through the show, building up to the main event. And I know that's an old trope, but the fact that like Cesaro was thinking two steps ahead and Seth Rollins cut a brilliant one where he was like, well, I kind of know this Roman guy. And like he was he was saying how he wasn't done with Cesaro and linked it all in to the title picture. And it, I just love that because they did the same with the Intercontinental um, title on SmackDown at the moment where they've got these overlapping stories that are all going on, and there's separate feuds that are all leading in the same direction. So with the Intercontinental, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have kind of seamlessly slipped in with Big E and Apollo, and that it's got shades of, like, that four-way Intercon they did a few years back with Miz, Cesaro, and Zayn. Like, I feel like they're going that direction. They're going to have a, a bananas four-way. And, like, the fact that Cesaro and Seth and Brian and Roman, like, there's so many people in the title picture that are in and around it. I just think it makes the whole division stronger if you've got so many genuine contenders with a genuine reason. Even Nakamura cut a promo where he was like, I've, I've had some big wins this year. I, I'm paraphrasing, but he was along the lines of, he'd had some big wins this year and he'd kind of been forgot about and he was coming back to have a shot and shoehorned that into his prediction for the match. I just thought it was an excellently put together show. The only one criticism is that Bianca Belair described SmackDown in the opening package. She went, SmackDown is the coolest show and it's also the hottest show. And I don't think that's possible to be both cool. <laughs> but uh, that aside, SmackDown was great. I think. I think I think Conman's just sold me on watching SmackDown for the first time in two years. That's the really exact good. Fucking that I'm into layered stuff, multiple things going on at the same time. Like Ross, I know Ross, you watch, watch Weekly still, right? Like you, would you agree with me, or am I overselling it? Yeah, absolutely spot on. Um, and you could argue that actually that they're doing the same with the tag as well. Um, SmackDown yeah. and Raw are just, are just light and day, aren't they? Like, I know it's the easy thing of just saying how it's a two-hour show compared to a three-hour show, but I, 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 it's almost incomprehensible that it's the same company. It's, it's absolutely like just strange, isn't it? Um, also, I just wanted to say about the Brian um, match that I loved the ending as well, where Cesaro came in to make the save. And what an uppercut on uh, the outside. Oh, he hit, yeah, he hit, he hit two. He absolutely yeah. oh, just twatted him twice. The one on the barry on the outside was like he threw everything at him. Yeah, right? I felt it. Yeah. And then, and then him um, kind of caught up in the ropes, having to watch Brian take the chair shot to the head was absolutely amazing and like really setting up the, um, the Cesaro Reigns match, which kind of, I guess everyone's kind of just seeing Cesaro as. Um, kind of fodder for Reigns, like everyone will be at, at the moment, but it's given you more impetus to, to like start to think that this is more layered than just 
Cesaro is finally getting a shot. Like it's giving Cesaro so much more, as yeah. you were saying, so much layering to his and to his actual character, which is something that he's needed for so so long. Something something that really stood out to me. I know it's a Thunderdome, but you can still tell the difference between pops. Like I don't. Maybe it's because they're piping stuff in, but. Like the people, the sound that was there, I was like, oh, fuck, that, that's actually quite loud for the Thunderdome when Cesaro did the run-in and nailed the uppercut. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, they I don't watch it every week either, but they've done a pretty good job getting this guy over, which is this, nice. This feels like, I know it's been said before, and he has been in elimination chambers for the time and stuff. This does feel like they're finally putting the trigger on him being a threat. I mean, it might be just one pay-per-view and done. But it does feel like they're building a storyline around him with Daniel Bryan hyping him up, with him having to earn the opportunity, having a long feud with Seth getting him ready. It really does feel like they're finally go- moving with him as a serious contender now. Absolutely. And, and, and my final point on SmackDown, um, what was everyone's thoughts on Roman's new theme? Uh, so I was actually talking to Brummett um, at a barbecue the other day about um, Steve Carino's old entrance music. I'm going to talk more about Steve Carino in a little while um, and how it was like this like epic intro and like, it's kind of like, it sounds like it's almost classical music, but it's a techno song. Um, and it reminded me of that. It reminded me of when Steve Carino would have the 15 minute entrance and ring introduction before his match even started. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I like I've been saying for absolutely ages that the Roman Reigns' character didn't change post the breakup of the Shield, and that included the the theme tune, obviously, because he's been using the Shield's theme tune since it debuted in 2012. Like, and this is the the like topping of this new character of his. Like, so so happy that they finally pulled the um pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I as a broader thing, I think I having not I don't watch any of the weekly shows regularly enough to have this opinion, but I can't imagine there's a more smooth watch than smackdown right now it, it when you cut the adverts out it's like one hour 20 and like it flew by i i, I, I was really impressed Ross i know he's seething thinking about nxt uk right now <laughs> i know i know i've said this before on the show um but just a recommendation for anyone out there that might be a bit like brummett uh matt Connolly said it's the smoothest watch it's not because bt does a highlight show that's only 40 oh. minutes long and yeah, if you bad. if you can, like, I watched that today, and like it was just it was everything. I, I, I don't know about the tag match. Obviously, that's the twenty minutes they cut out. Ross said they're building the tag titles. I didn't see any of that, but I saw Bianca Belair. I saw all the promos through the show, and I saw Roman Bryan, and it was yeah, like forty minutes well spent. Great job, Robin. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> good, nice one, Armo. <laughs> hey, talking about good shows. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, Shafi hasn't said anything for a while. I don't know if he, uh, but I do know he watches Dynamite. Um, so I just wanted to mention Dynamite. I, do you know what? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because I was on a bank holiday and just, you know, in a good mood or I don't know what it is. But I thought Dynamite this week was one of the best wrestling shows, weekly shows I've seen for a long time. I, it felt to me like peak AEW. Like the opening, like just all, like all the matches were great. Like the matches felt like they could have been like, pay-per-view style matches the young bucks had a great like the young bucks for, as a heel team now fucking hell that's amazing um and then orange cassidy and penta that was great brian cage they pulled the trigger on him by beating hangman page i i just yeah i just thought it was a great show um the inner circle promo 
but yeah, it's all really good. Um, which doesn't make for great podcasting, just saying how great something is, but I just felt like we couldn't talk about SmackDown without mentioning that Dynamite just had another great week, right? Um, quickly, Dom, not, not to make your job harder, uh, just for some editing, but Shaft, did you mention, I think, on the messages, I might have made this up, but you had some thoughts on SmackDown too, right? No, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm the host. <laughs> right well to make me look better chef you've got to do 20 minutes on roman brian so as a back and forth encounter with a lot of you know high stakes on the line i thought it was a pretty good match uh brian played a really good underdog you know <laughs> it's difficult to know where he's going to go from here is this going to be a genuine retirement is he going to end up in nxt or on raw i mean obviously there's been a lot of rumors about him potentially wanting to wrestle people outside of wwe um, but I don't know if he's going to do that. I mean, if he was going to do that, you would think that that would have happened when they were stopping him for rest- from wrestling for all of those years. So it'd be really odd timing if that was the way to go. Um, but no, I didn't watch SmackDown. So I think that's about as much bollocks as I can chat for you. <laughs> but that, I'm sorry, can we actually... Uh, I know I know. Donald, Donald starts sweating about the show going on too long. Um, the Is Brian to NXT, is that something like Matt Ross? Is that is that something that could possibly happen, do we think? I mean, fuck, could you imagine that? Quite like, um, quite a few of the NXT guys have been teasing it on Twitter. Um, I think Gargano in particular dropped a, um, dropped a tweet basically with a promo from 2018 yeah. um, where Brian was in the ring with him and basically saying like, one day, Johnny, one day. Um, so stuff like that. And I also put, um, I put up your prediction that um, Dunn would face um, Brian on on NXT, and it and it could well be the first ever five star match for Brian uh, in the Meltzer ratings. And I, it, I just might have got it six months out, <laughs> and it caused all all kinds of puree from uh, from people saying like, "Why would it matter what what Dave says?" <laughs> <laughs> um, got that exact same voice, don't they? it's about what you think and i'm like i know it is but that's still like a big thing (laughs) yeah um but yeah i actually think that um brian's just gonna have a bit of time off um but i think that he could well come back and do a bit of a baller possibly yeah um why not he can't be turning up on smackdown can he like he's done there now, so yeah, don't put him on raw. <laughs> like <laughs> so, sorry, Dom, to make your editing hard, you've now got to put that back in while Shafi goes back and does AEW. <laughs> <laughs> did you like Shaf, did you have any did you have any thoughts on Dynamite or I think that AEW they consistently deliver a fantastic TV product. I'm I'm never really surprised by that. Um, there were obviously big moments this week. I think you've already touched on them, but I quite like the fact that Cage beat Hangman. I mean, Hangman, obviously, long-term is going to be the man, presumably, to win the title. We've got an an inbuilt storyline there. Um, But with the way that they count their ranking systems and stuff, you can't have him go, you know, 100 and 0. You know, so I think it makes sense that people need to lose occasionally because even with dominant football teams, for example, Man City, they still lose matches. Um, and they did it in a logical way where obviously they had the attack before the match, which builds in that little bit of um, 
you know, almost an excuse for why Hangman lost. Like he may have beat Cage straight up, but he was disadvantaged by the powerbomb on the stage. So I thought that that was, you know, I thought that was good. And it was a nice surprise. It also gives Hangman something to do because at the moment, we're not sure what's happening with Kenny and with the title. It's clear that obviously the storyline with him and Mox is not finished yet. So it gives Hangman something to do. I can't, because I can't really see them having that Hangman Omega match until, you know, we get fans back fully. Like that's the type of match that deserves a, a full arena or a full stadium. Completely agree, Chef. Um, I, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Kenny had to go through Brian Cage before, he, before Hangman had to go. Because, um, they, because, because they, haven't they sort of been teasing a bit of a, like, a bit of a face turn from Cage? Hasn't he sort of been having a bit of a scrap backstage with um, the Taz boys? Who's the, who's the other the fella? Uh, Ricky Starks. Yeah, him, him, him. Yeah, so there has been some dissension in the ranks. However, the last two weeks, that seems to have been put to the side. Yeah, um, that hasn't really been advanced. I was thinking, Shaft, that um, if um, if Cage beat um, well, once now that Cage has beaten uh, Page, if Christian's having to run through that team Taz, is it going to be a point where Christian becomes number one previous to Page? You, this you're making this way too confusing. You're saying yeah, Cage yeah. beat Page, and then the other Cage is going to come in and take number one. Cage, Cage, Page. I'm, I'm confused. Okay, Christian Cage. Christian Cage. Okay, let's just call him Christian. You know. So just to confirm, Shaffy, you're booking Kenny Omega versus um, Page, as in from WWE from Norwich. Yeah. We're going to have no. Page, Page, and Page versus Cage and Cage in a cage. Uh, can I um, ask one genuine question about Dynamite as I don't watch it weekly as I've already made clear um, so the number one contender for the women's title is that Britt Baker yeah yes and the number one contender for the tag team titles is SCU but they've still got to earn it that's the bit I don't understand like I know they've got the ranking system and I know it's still wrestling you've got to have these number one contender matches but they're number one in the rankings but they've got to win a match whereas Britt Baker is the number one contender that's where I'm not it's just one of them things. I'm, I'm, it's not meant as a... Is that just Ooh. wrestling? Just I think, like, that, that, there I think a there's a distinction between who the number one contender is and who is ranked number one. Right. Whilst they sound like they're the same thing, I don't think they're actually treated as if they're the same thing, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I, I actually, not to, not to sort of weigh this down with semantics as well, but just because Matt brought it up, like I had a weird, uh, like a weird thing looking at the women's rankings on Dynamite this week as well, where it didn't... It seemed, seemed to me like I didn't really understand the maths. And that's no surprise because I have to take my shoes off to count past 10. But like I was sort of like, I was looking at it and it's like, so Britt Baker was number one on the rankings. I think she's six and two, her record, right? And then and then like the person below, oh, she might be six and one. And the person below her is six and two. But then the bottom of the ranking, so I'm like, oh, okay, so one extra loss means that you're below. Okay, that's fair enough. That makes sense. Six and one out trumps six and two. But then there was someone down further who was five and one who was below someone that was like eight and four. And I'm like, so th- there's a discrepancy there that didn't make any sense. So it's not just about like, yeah, I couldn't figure it out. I'm, I'm pretty sure AEW uses the Duckworth-Lewis method. Oh, yeah, well, that, that would make sense because I don't understand that either. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they have some form of weighted rankings. 
um, because it's it can't purely be on your win loss record. Otherwise, you would just stay on dark and beat Peter Avalon every week until you got a title shot. He's he's got a positive win loss record, hasn't he? But whenever it matters, he gets dealt with. But yeah, they're uh, all everyone on Elevation and Dark has positive. That, that's yeah. like their thing, isn't it? They all just drill people on those shows and then come to Dynamite <laughs> and and get sent home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I just I was just thinking about. It. I was like, well, uh, would I like this more if they released the maths of it? Probably not. Who cares? I, my my question was more like. Uh, I understand the number one contender thing and the distinction, but it just feels a bit unfair on SCU that they're number one ranked, yet they've still got to earn it, is all. Like, if they were not in the number one ranked position, I feel like then this match would have made more sense. But I don't know. It's not a problem. Like, it doesn't doesn't affect my enjoyment of whatever match we end up getting. It, does, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the show that you don't watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So yeah, like I said, I think the the cage beating Hangman it was good. Um, it made sense. It gives Hangman something to do. Um, the other like big thing that I really enjoyed on the show was the parlay between the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. Um, like we're used to sort of contract signings and things like that preceding big matches. We've obviously got Blood and Guts coming up this week, which is presumably going to be some sort of war game style encounter. Um, and we're used to them always just ending in such a cliched way. And we've, we've spoken about tropes in the previous few weeks. So what was really refreshing here is that it didn't end up in anyone fighting. Um, instead, what we got was some fantastic promos. Um, Sean Spears like made me sit up and take notice of him for probably the first time in his career. His uh, promo was fantastic the way. And it made sense. You know, ultimately, that's what we want from wrestling. He goaded Sammy Guevara, the member of the inner circle who was outed, or sorry, I should say ousted by MJF, and is the one who has the most to prove. He goaded him into um, basically accepting a dis- disadvantageous position um, in the Blood and Guts match of having the disadvantage. Now, again, with War Games matches, we always have these tropes where the the bad teams seem to be fantastically incredible at winning coin tosses. And this really sort of dealt with that logic of, you know, Sammy Guevara, he accepts that they will be at the disadvantage, but he feels like he's got something to prove. So he's willing to put himself in that position uh, for his team. So I thought that was great. I thought um, FTR were great on the mic as well. The stuff that they said to Santana and Ortiz, you know, they want to see the best from them. They need to say, goodbye to their kids because they're not going to come home it would just it was for me the whole segment was fantastic it was just hard hitting it wasn't about you know jokes or scoring points anymore it was about we are going to have a fight this is this isn't going to be a wrestling match and you may not all survive it and ultimately that's what we want we want people these matches need to mean something you know as we've spoken about a ranking system wins and losses have to matter um you know so the idea that they they're going to stop at nothing to not only to win this, but to destroy their opponents. I thought really sold this match for me. Um, and I'm really excited for it this week. It was a yeah, brilliant I, I, thought, I, I thought it was fantastic too. I think, I think you, yeah, you hit all those notes. Yeah. Sean Spears was great. I, yeah. The him and Sammy interchange was my favorite. I, I, I also thought, and this is the fucking coldest take ever, but MJF is fucking gold, isn't he? Like, like, Oh, like just listen to him speak. He is fire and, and at some point i don't know when the fuck it's going to be i don't know if it's going to be five years or whenever it'll still probably be a kid but 
he's going to turn face and he's going to be so much money because he's like, he's just so bloody good at what he does. I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Shaft, that was my, my, my highlight of, of, of Dynamite this week. I, yeah, I, I really liked it too. And what, what stood out to me was all of the people that spoke and they all kind of spoke except for Hager and Wardlow, which was cool. I liked the fact that they were just quiet. But all, all of the other sort of, it wasn't eight people because there's two tag teams, but all the other sort of six different individuals um, said something different. Like they, like oftentimes in that situation, you know, like we're going we're gonna to kill you on Sunday. Tell them, Hawk. Yeah, we're going to kill you on Sunday. <laughs> you know, like, but they, they all had like different well-reasoned points. And like the heels made perfect logical sense. And then the baby faces did too. And they, they all just brought, it was almost like, wow, that was really well reasoned out. And I don't know who, like if it was a debate, it's like, okay, well, that one's a tie. That's a draw. Like it was just, it, I, yeah, I really thought it was good how everyone, there's almost, it's almost like there are five different stories or four different stories in the match as well. It's, you know, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I think one thing that I like is that um, the people throughout this feud in the promos, they've been able to adapt and, so a few weeks ago, we mentioned that Jericho tripped over his promo when speaking about Wardlow. And then Wardlow c- cut a promo the next week, basically explaining why Jericho you know, tripped over it because he can talk shit about everyone else, but he's intimidated by Wardlow because he's never seen anything like him. And, you know, and on this one, like MGF was talking about how much pressure Jericho must be under to carry AEW. And there's obviously a m- massive there's a whole lot of truth in that because he left the safety of WWE. He obviously went to Japan. He's gone to AEW. He's always got a spot in WWE. We know that. Like we've seen that from him going on the smoke and skull sessions. He can walk back in anytime he wants. Um, So to take a chance on a new company that could ultimately flop after six months, that must've been incredible pressure. And so for MGF to bring that in and, you know, to hone in on things that you as a viewer can actually see, like, look at your eyes, look how bloodshot red they are, look how exhausted you must be, you know, look how weakened you must be. I just, I just think that really, that really drew me in. I thought that was great. Um, I, I, I particularly, I also just like a little thing, just like lots of little things stood out to me. I really liked that, like, um, the Pinnacle came out with their security guards and the Inner Circle came out with their, like, street hoodlums on their bikes as security. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I enjoyed that little, um, I don't know, fold, you might say, or uh, wrinkle. Yeah, just one thing about Dynamite. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. Obviously, for the guys that have watched it, I'll ask your opinion. So a, a couple of times, so the main event of this show, the final segment of this show was... Um, Darby Allen defending the belt against Preston Vance, T- the TNT title. And that inner circle segment was fantastic. The Hangman versus um, Brian Cage was great as well. And they probably would have been more, like traditionally would have been better end, better endings for this show. Um, you know, the shock of Hangman losing or, you know, the fire of those promos building up to Blood and Guts next week. Traditionally, like a show would end with those. Um, whereas obviously to make the TNT title important, it's main eventing here, but it's main eventing with someone who like Darby is over, but Preston Vance, like he's probably what, I don't know, the seventh best guy in the dark order. 
you know, for him to main event, I don't know if, because it just makes the match so predictable, we know he's not going to win the title. So I don't know whether the order of the show, you know, works particularly well that way. But at the same time, I can see that they're putting over the title by saying that the title's the main event. So I just wonder what people thought about the ordering of the show and whether that sort of builds to a crescendo and whether, you know, it means it ends flatly or... Interesting, Shaf. My my big thought on Dynamite this week is about the closing of the show, but for a slightly different reason. It's been it's another fucking show closing rando brawl where just fucking they keep sending out random fucking people, like and this seems to happen every week. I might be wrong, but it feels like every fucking week Dynamite ends with match ends and like they just keep and literally just people that I didn't even realize were involved in these feuds keep running out and it keeps building and it like to some and it just is like when you do that once every five six months I think it has a really cool feel about it when you're doing it every fucking week like Dynamite is and don't get me wrong I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big lover of Dynamite I, I wouldn't have gone as far as Dom did about this week's I think the last couple of weeks have been better but I still really enjoyed this week you know as, as you guys have said you know good wrestling in it, good promos, but that is just something that's sending me wild. Have you noticed that, Shaft, or am I just going mad? Uh, to be honest, I have a fantastically poor memory, so I tend to <laughs> like, once something's gone, you know, it's gone. But no, I can see I can see where you're coming from, because we've had it previously with the Dark Order keep coming out and uh, brawling with like the the Hardy family office and stuff like that. Yes. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, just it, it's it's just a bit they just did it. And, and actually all my criticisms of Dynamite, we, you know, we did it before talking about stables. It's like I, I I I don't have any issues with individual stuff they do. It's just they seem to do too much of a lot of things. Um and I think it does kind of dampen it when you're doing stuff every week or you're doing too much of something. But but I think I think overall I think your point point about about that it definitely didn't feel to me like the the biggest point of the show but again i sympathize with them about titles should end shows so um i i i, I do see a point but i'm i'm fine with it based on that yeah i i mean i don't really know the end i can see it both ways yeah i just had one takeaway from aw which was that this was the show that sold me on penta i've never really got penta and i know that that's um, that, 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 that's a mad take and everyone loves him but I, but I just never really got him and seeing him against Orange Cassidy in a pure like heel role is the first time that I've truly understood how great he is I absolutely loved him playing like the playing the, the playing the bully role in this match I, I thought the match was really really great um, and it kind of re- reminded me of um, I know that we're not supposed to really talk about him anymore but I remember watching, I can't remember, I think it was against Connor Mills at the ballroom was the first time that I truly understood how good Davis Starr was, where he played like the bully role on Connor Mills, who was like the the, the young upstart trying to prove himself at the ballroom and he just murdered him. Um, and, I, and, I, and I felt the same when I saw Chris Ridgway face Candy Floss where he was just like mean. Um, and yeah, I just thought Penta in that match was amazing. Um, we, we're running long here. What, like, I feel like people have still got some stuff in the tank too. 
Yeah. Um, sorry, I've got I've got one thing to say about AEW. Sorry, yeah. which is fucking hell. Yuri Nagata versus Moxley. That is going to absolutely bang. As a result of that, I did um, obviously potato grabs brum. I went back and watched a match that I've seen before. But I just got excited watching it, which is which everyone should go and watch because you can you can access it online. Um, essentially, we go back quick history lesson. It's like twenty one years ago now, um, but Kawada and Fuchi against Nag- uh, Nagata and Iazuka. Fucking brilliant, like proper underrated tag match from Naughty's, well, 2000 New Japan. Um, essentially, as people know, Masawa fucks off from All Japan in, in 2000, takes across all the native roster with him, apart from two people, Kawada and Fuchi. So, like, what the fuck are um, All Japan going to do? They go into a they go into a cross promotional thing with with New Japan um in 2000 which has some cracking matches in it by the way I think the first one they do it's got um Kawada versus uh, Kensuke Sasaki which is a great match but a couple of months later uh, I think it's called uh, New Japan Second Judgment it's these four boys so Kawada and Fuchi the two remaining all Japan lads against um against Iazuka and, and Nagata of of New Japan. And it's just like this finishing stretch of Kawada and Nagata just like unloading on each other is so good. And so people, the people of Bergen, just Google <laughs> Kawada, Nagata, Iazuka and cracking, like cracking 30-minute tag match would definitely recommend so my, my recommended match of the week is uh is not reigns versus brian which i haven't seen it's um a new japan all japan tag match from uh th- from 20 years ago so you can all tick your, your bingo tickets from is um is azuka i'm guessing is not a dog trapped in a man's body at that point <laughs> no he's not he's not he's just in he's just in black black pants i think at that point so, um, but he's great. He's really good, actually. He, he, that's the problem these days. I think people see Iazuka as the kind of the the that Iazuka um, of his latter days in New Japan. While twenty years before, he's a he's a cracking talent, actually. We're also doing like history and things. So, um, recently, our good friend James Charles Harris, were, who's kind of gone off wrestling a little bit, uh, was giving away his DVDs, which included. I've now counted them 52 Ring of Honor DVDs from the years 2002 until 2005. So, of course, I've decided to watch one a week. Um, So this week I watched uh, Road to the Title, which is, uh, I think, Ring of Honor's fourth ever show. And it's the one where they set up the crowning a champion four-way with, like, a little tournament. Right, so here, this I'm, I'm not going to give you a rundown of the whole show because that, that could be a whole separate podcast, and it kind of was with Ring of Goner. But um, we just like takeaways from the show, right? I want you guys, um, if you could name me like the iconic match, like the iconic opponent that this wrestler has had throughout their career for me, please, right? So if I was to say to you, Jody Flash, who's his iconic opponent? Jody Storm. That match was on this show. If I was to say to you, AJ Styles, who is his iconic opponent before WWE? 
Daniels? Correct. That was the main event on this show. AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. Um, and also like another, so like then there are, uh, so this one would be in my mind. I don't think you're, this is probably not a good play along one because no one's going to say, but low key from the early stage of his career, who's the iconic low key match? Amazing Red. Correct. That, that, that match was on this show, low key versus Amazing Red. Um, and then there was also an AJ Styles versus Jerry Lynn match, which was kind of like a TNA iconic match in the first year. Um, and then there was also just Doug Williams being the best I've ever seen Doug Williams in his career. I forgot how good he was. Um, so anyway, that was amazing. Uh, ridiculous matches. And they're all about 10 minutes long because there was 112 matches on the show. And then the other main takeaway was Steve Carino's on commentary, right? And Christopher Daniels brings out Simply Luscious to the ring, who I forgot about. Um, and she's a member of the Prophecy. And Steve Carino is, I swear to God, it almost made me turn it off how, like, misogynistic and disgusting his commentary was about Simply Luscious. It wasn't even, like, tongue-in-cheek. It was, like, pretty much like, oh, yeah, like, just, I'm not even going to say it, just awful, awful stuff about just objectifying this poor, this poor female wrestler. And then it t- I was like, oh, man, Ring of Honor, it doesn't really hold up. I thought, I thought it was going to be better than this. And then it got to the end of the show, and it's an angle. It's Steve Carino's real-life girlfriend, and, like, the big reveal at the end of the show is Steve Carino is making out with her, and um, Steve Carino is going to go after the prophecy. And, I'm, and it's just won me back. Ring of Honor is the best. Like, like I can't wait until next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is next week the, the iconic four-way, Dom? Correct, yeah. Crowning a champion next week. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll keep you posted with 30 seconds a week if people like it. I, I obviously I'm leaving the main event slot because I'm just sitting on I've been sitting on the edge of my chair all week, and God I hope Rossi come through with this. I need to know what happened the following week with the iconic Doink versus Mister Perfect draw leading into King of the Ring '93. I feel like can we just delay that for thirty seconds? Yeah, sorry, Shaf. So let's build up the anticipation a little bit more, okay? Also, I've got uh, three shows I need to speak about. See, it's fu- it's funny you should say that because I actually watched three other things this week as well, bro. <laughs> so what I actually watched was three different documentaries this week. Uh, the first one I won't talk about because I know no one else has seen it, but it was the first part of Dark Side of the Ring series three uh, about Brian Pillman. So I won't Shaf. go into I won't go into that because I know no one else has seen it. Shaf. Yes, how, mate. Um, how uh, how did you watch that? Uh, probably best not to talk about on the podcast, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also watched two WWE Network documentaries this week. Uh, the Miz, WWE 24, which was really good. Um, I've never been a big fan of The Miz, but seeing his whole journey uh, from obviously a reality TV star and some of the challenges that he faced to where he is now, you know, it's definitely a story of success and one which, you know, is, is probably, let's be honest, is probably underrated. Uh, for what he's managed to achieve and some of the challenges that he's overcome. Um, so, yeah, I watched The Miz, WWE 24, recommend that one. And I also watched uh, Two Dudes with Attitudes, which is the new Shawn Michaels um, Diesel uh, retrospective about their time together in WWE. Um, it was all right. It was a bit of a fluff piece. If you've seen any of their, um, any of their sort of documentaries or interviews before, you've seen it all before it's pretty much Shawn michael's going i was a dick and kevin nash saying i wanted money 
Um, <laughs> Goldberg sucks. So yeah, that was pretty much it. The one interesting part about it though is that Shawn Michaels re- uh, recollects a conversation he has with Kevin Ash in 2002, in which he says, "I called you up uh, in a stupor, uh, off my face, basically. Um, still had his drug problem, and Kevin Nash." spoke to him the next day and basically said, you've got a wife, you've got kids now, you need to sort your life out. And I thought that that was really interesting because there's often been rumours that the reason he left had nothing to do with a back injury, that he wasn't out for four years because of anything to do with his back, but due to his drug and lifestyle issues. And this sort of confirmed the fact that he still had those issues in 2002. Um, and obviously he would get clean and come back to being a full-time wrestler at SummerSlam I- against triple h right yeah um there's obviously other rumors that you know when he came back as the commissioner he was sent home because he was still on drugs um so even though they don't say that in this documentary the little tidbits they give you you know sort of feed rumors that we've heard over the years another one as well being that Shawn michaels was paid for like 750 grand a year for like three years after he retired to stop him from going to wcw or anywhere else um, so I guess when the Monday Night Wars were over, potentially he was then under pressure. You know, Vince didn't need to pay him anymore because he wasn't going to go anywhere. So perhaps under pressure to clean up his act and come back and wrestle. Um, so for the conspiracy theorists amongst us, uh, this documentary was was good for that, but not much else. You know the other big rumor, don't you, Shaf? <laughs> go on. That Sean um, Sean didn't return because he was really upset that you didn't think he was Mister WrestleMania. <laughs> he's look if i was doing a top 10 he'd probably be number four okay that's that's pretty good there's been thousands of wrestlers so being the fourth best person in wrestlemania history is actually quite good so all of those calls all of those text messages all of those tweets emails scrolls sent by carrier pigeons if people could stop sending them to me about <laughs> this take i had last week i would really appreciate it <laughs> and also, Matt, uh, Matt Conley agrees with you because, as an Arsenal fan, he knows that fourth place is a trophy. Right? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll literally, I'll plow through my three shows. I promise. I'll do this in, I'll do this in sub a minute. Um, NXT podcast calls it again. Timothy Thatcher sang. <laughs> oh yeah, you no yeah. I I saw that too. That was actually incredible, it, mate. This podcast, just listen to this. You don't have to watch wrestling anymore out there in North Bergen. We predict things. Pete Dunn's promo was class. No hot take on that. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that too. Yeah, that, that's the best promo he's ever done. Class. So good. So good. Yeah. Did any... Uh, well, I say any of you. Ross, NXT UK, um, there's a lucky kid match. I, I forgot his, his new name, like Tiaman or something. I think something Tiaman, like. yeah. Um, yeah, Um and it had a really cool finish to it where he, like, um, the fella who's fighting won't, won't submit and he just does, like, um, uh, not like the pentaram snap, but it's like a kind of cross-arm break around bar and then pulls yeah. back on it. Um, and in post-production, I don't know if I've seen WWE do this before. I know they do it, like, with... Uh, I saw GIFs about with Braun Strowman and his train sound. But they, they did a crack in post-production. They did, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely like I'm not making that up, Ross. It's not some fancy thing. Uh, uh, it's definitely post-production crack, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a really cool, a really cool finish. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, again, so it's weird. I, I loved the finish. I, I thought it was, I think it was a really, really good finish. But that post-production crack kind of threw me off a bit. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like 
this is shit, but it, I don't know. It kind of just took me out of it a bit, but I, I, the finish itself I thought was really cool. I think post-production crack has an effect on a lot of their shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's 80, 88 all over again. <laughs> Spe- speaking of Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 um, the cold take, the, I thought the women's match was a banger. So good, isn't it? Most, most I've been impressed with, not Ty of Valkyrie. Um, but oh my God, NXT UK lets themselves down because with all that stuff, like Gallus is in the main event, like, and they win. And it's like pushing fucking Gallus is just an embarrassment to the brand and the bookers and everyone involved. I presume Smallman got the book right for NXT UK? I think so, yeah. What is he fucking playing at? Like, even if you take out, like, the the, the shocking speaking out accusations against two-thirds of the cunts, they are the most bland, boring act in fucking wrestling. What? Like, just a waste of time. They can all fuck off. Fit. Anyway, right, last one <laughs> is uh, I watched New Japan today quickly. Um, yeah. I, I, I re- re- really, really quick. Um, the big three matches, I love Zack Sabre Jr. more than most any man, maybe. Um, his match was fucking boring. Um, the next match was a fucking iron finger on a pole match. Like, what just, like... New Japan, what have you become? This is not you. It was shit, overbooked mess. And the main event, Tanahashi versus Jay White, like, I wasn't that invested going in, but they did a 40-minute match for the Never title. And, and there was actually parts of the match, because they're obviously, you know, Jay White and Tanahashi are fucking both gods here, but they they did some really cool, like, long interchanges where they were both both going after each other's, like, legs. Um, so like th- there was a really cool story building up around that. So, but and then they just threw it all away to have a, a stupid Gado schmozzy bollocks finish, um, which kind of just completely undermined the rest of the match. So that was forty minutes of my life. So yeah, just kind of fuck New Japan at the moment. I'm just kind of getting sick of their bollocks. Like, please go back to three years ago. Like, just uh, Jay White cut a pretty cool promo after it, but I was dead after then. Like, I'm just kind of. I'm really fucked off by, by the whole company, but to the point where I think I might cancel my New Japan World subscription. Na 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 na. Should be fun. Should be fun. No, but you're probably you're probably right. To be fair, I've I've been feeling a bit fatigued on New Japan. I haven't even bothered watching that show. Yeah, I I, I stopped watching it. I do like some wrestling. I've been positive about other wrestling today, I promise. Sorry, Ross. Previously on What the Nerds Are Watching. I watched um, an episode of Superstars 1993. First ever King of the Ring 1993 qualifier on Superstars. (laughs) Mr. Perfect against Doink. It goes 15 minutes, time limit draw, and it's bloody brilliant. Go, Go back and watch it. What's the rule? Did they both get eliminated, or is there a rematch, or what? Um... I'm not tune sure. in this week. Anyway, Superstars '93. Please, please tell me you've watched it, Ross. And there's a there's a winner on the next week. 
So well, I, I think I think um, we've run out of time, guys. I think we've got to move on to that. So <laughs> can we keep pushing it back? I want I want it to pay off at episode hundred. Ross finally gives the update. Ross doing the Emelina gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it, it's also uh, Colt Cabana on Ring of Honor shows, and he's always like, "Oh, next time we'll get CM Punk on." And he just never did. <laughs> so you'll be ha- happy to hear that I did watch the following week. And Mr. Perfect showed up in a backstage segment, but not with Doink, with Shawn Michaels. So it's just, so, it's, so it just wasn't that. It just wasn't mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had to, so I had to actually look it up. And uh, what happens is, is that they have the rematch on Wrestling Challenge, which they don't have on the network, and, I, and I'm not watching. Um, so, and apparently that. That also went 15 minutes draw, <laughs> believe it. Or not. So they've now wrestled for 30 minutes trying to get into the first round of the kick of the ring. And then they have the third round, the uh, third match, like rubber match on Raw, which I'm not watching. And um, no, no one watches that. <laughs> and Mr. Perfect um, goes through um, beating Doink with a perfect plex. That's. I can't believe it. One and like I think officially, I don't think anyone will have another opinion. The greatest wrestling trilogy of all time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just, just, just my two quick um, ones from NXT were that um, Reed and Theory have amazing chemistry, and I want to see them wrestle more. Um, and I absolutely love the fact that um, Zach called MSK a, a pair of knobheads on on live. <laughs> Great stuff. Right. Um, I, it's eight o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Um, let's do what uh, What do we call it? The round table. Main event time, lads. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's Wrestling Should Be Fun round table includes tag teams from above and the best moonsault ever. This is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Round Table! Wrestling Should Be Fun Round Table. Uh, this week, I think we're only doing two. Um, so, you know. If, if you're someone that likes to keep this thing to a tight 90-minute podcast uh, out there listening, um, hopefully this will help you out. So uh, I'll go first. So I just had this idea for a concept, right, and it comes from a Ben Fold song called From Above. So easy from above, you can really see it all. People who belong together, lost in sad and but there's nothing to be done for them It doesn't work that way Sure we all have soulmates But we walk past them every day and what happens in the song Is it's basically like a narrative Where he imagines like how easy it would be To link people up with their soulmate If you could just watch their lives from above And it's sort of like about like, um, you know, at times in your life, you will just 
you know, cross sliding doors with your soulmate and but you might never actually even talk to them. You might just sit opposite them on the train and you'll never even know that that was your soulmate. Um, so that's the premise of this pop song by Ben Folds. And then I thought, well, I wonder if this would work with wrestling and tag teams. So is there like, and so I sort of prepped a couple of the boys. I don't know if anyone actually thought about it because I actually couldn't even think of an answer to my own question. But um, has anyone got any ideas about wrestling tag teams that we that should have been booked or people that would have been the perfect tag team, but they just never got the chance to work together in a team? Um, and I'm calling this From Above. I've got a few. Um, yeah, yeah. Good. If, if you prep things, just, just jump in now. Cause, yeah, uh, so, so actually, all, I think all my guys are still active. So you never know. They, they could happen. Um, I'm going to kick off with... Um, Two absolute mad lads that I think, as a tag team, could be so bonkers and so fun. Um, and Darby Allen and Hiromu Takahashi. Um, I think they could have the just the like. Could you imagine those two against the books? That would just be, just be incredible. I think they're yeah, just both absolutely wild lads, and they're promo promo promos. <laughs> I'm obviously thinking about Hiromu too much. The promos would be I just like the idea of of Darby doing his dark and sinister while Hiromu pets his his pet cat. But yeah, I've not got. I've not actually. I should have really thought of fun tag team names for for these, but I haven't because I'm a, a terrible human being. But yeah, Alan and Takahashi. Anyone thought any any thoughts, lads? Absolutely outstanding. Perfect example of what I'm looking from. It's so easy from above. Okay, next. My, my, my next one, I've gone gone two two technicos. I've gone for um, Chad Gable and Drew Gulak. Yes, please. Yeah, um, I think they'd be you know a, a kind of a variation on like kind of world's greatest tag team kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think they'd be they'd be they'd be lovely. Um, and then finally. Um, this is a, a, probably a bit a bit fan servicey and maybe a bit obvious in some ways, but uh, Tom Horowishi and Samoa Joe. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Against the, yeah. I've really pitched them against the 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 current um, that current old Japan tag team Okabashi and his mate, who are like kind of two two hench lads. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think Ishii and Smojo would be would be just gorgeous together. Also, fuck me. Let's. I really hope they fight in the G one, assuming that that Joe's healthy. That'd be that's a god tier dream match as well as a, a god tier dream. Is, is Okabashi the lad who loves a chop? Is he a yeah. big chopper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah. seen him. He's yeah. a thick boy. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Ishii and Smojo is my other one. Fantastic. And, and, um, their their tag team name should be the Pixie Princess Girls. Yeah. I that well, I was thinking the same thing actually. I I, I, I there's no argument against that. The PPG. <laughs> <laughs> I also I, I think like um Chad Gable and Drew Gulak. I would just like them to be called Chad and Drew. Like those are like that, that, that's quite funny names. Apologies out there if your first name is Chad or Drew, but I just think those are just two interesting one syllable um, names that I imagine. Like, I really think that only high school football quarterbacks could be called Chad, Chad or Drew outside of this tag team. So, yeah. I actually want the gimmick to be, I, I want them to enter in the singles division and call themselves Chew Google. And when the referee's not looking, do some fake twin magic. <laughs> Chew Google. Actually, on that, I've got another one to add. I want, um, I want Jey Uso and Nikki Bella to form a tag team where... 
they like do the twin magic spot and the referee just pretends that it's right. Like he doesn't notice the difference between Jay Uso and Nikki Bella because obviously it's something that they've both practiced. Outstanding. I won't go that far. <laughs> Anybody else got one or three? I only had one, Don, and it was just, uh, I thought a Hill tag team going for the tag titles on Impact or or the or WWE of um, former horseman daughters Tessa and Charlotte as like mega heels that just like the 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 like almost like a two woman power trip. That's a great shout. That is so, the 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 heat, Ross. Oh yeah, the absolute heat. Yeah, that's Miami stuff against the Blossom <laughs> Twins. <laughs> <laughs> I um I like I I completely love the uh, Gable Gulak idea like that that feels like an open goal can't that's such a great idea like just two grapple fuckers teaming up and tying everyone up in knots just is amazing but I was I grapple fuckers (laughs) yeah there you go there's their name the grapple fuckers um but I I've always been a fan of like the 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 odd pairing tag team which is probably because W always do it so like what Dane and um. Uh, what's Spud called now? Maverick. Drake Maverick. Sorry, um, they're them two. Like when you just get the, the complete opposites. X Pack and Kane. Yeah, like that that kind of team where there's clearly a weaker link or like whoever Ray has ever tagged with probably. Um, but the but like they're the odd couple, right? And like my mind goes to like great opponents that would then make good partners. And I always love the matches between Suzuki and Yano because of that. And I think as a tag team with Yano just messing about and Suzuki wanting to be completely serious would just be such a great team. I don't know what you call them. And I know the Japan system is like stables and one's chaos, whatever. But if they could tag somewhere against anybody, like the matches would just be brilliant. They'd be so fun. So yeah, Yana and Suzuki is me. Um, So I, um, it's funny, like you said, you said that Matt about how like, um, you like tag teams that are kind of opposites. I, my favourite tag, and it's and Brummett said X Puck and Kane. I was going to give a big monologue about my love of X Puck and Kane during the Attitude Era. Um, they were like, yeah, like they were my favourite tag team during the Attitude Era. I, I really, really loved that angle. Um, yeah, I, I was such a big fan of it. And so I really have always liked tag teams that aren't like Gable and Gulak. Um, the, oh, sorry, the uh, the PPGs, and they aren't like Samoa Joe and Ishii. I like ones that are like one big hoss and one high flyer, or something like that. Um, so I was just thinking about that. I was like, well, who who would be an interesting like big hoss and high flyer um, tag team or matchup? And I thought just one. I don't know why it came to my mind, but I was like, I just and this could have been done before, maybe in Lucha Underground because they were both there at the same time. But I've just got a feeling that like Brian Cage and Ricochet would just be like everything I would love in a tag team. How many of their spots would be Ricochet doing flippy stuff off Cage's shoulders? Yeah, like <laughs> that, that sort of thing. Yeah, like so, I, like there's there's other examples and like I, you know, my favorite tag teams throughout the time, not just Kane and X Buck, but like Roderick Strong and Jack Evans. Yeah. I really, really liked their stuff. That was kind of a similar type of thing. 
Um, yeah, I just think Brian Cage and Ricochet, I feel like they could be soulmates that have never come across each other in a tag team. I think they could make magic. Um, and I think that what would also be really cool is the day that, you know, Ricochet hits a drill claw and Brian Cage hits the shooting star press because they're both athletic enough to to probably do each other's moves as well. I, I think I think their gimmick would be they would fight loads of different like luchador tag teams and keep tearing their masks off and then start calling themselves the anti-maskers. Yeah, probably. That make that makes perfect sense. Um, I like. I was just thinking about Matt Connolly's, and I like. I like the idea of like in the Suzuki and Yano matches. Like Yano is just really afraid of Suzuki still. So like, like, and like, imagine like Suzuki goes to tag him, and Yano jumps off the apron because he's afraid to get hit, yeah. and like stuff like. That. I think they, I can just see it in my mind. That'd be so funny. Yeah, they have great chemistry when they have their matches, and that's basically where. They're. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean that that's probably yeah the great stuff, and I, I like that we that uh, Brummett and Connolly definitely went down different streets. Um, yeah, not, nice stuff, and I think Ross and I both just picked really solid tag teams. So I think that my one would be uh, probably Loki and Big Show, and the premise is that they're both in the same promotion together. They're both sort of lost in the shuffle. They get put together as a tag team. But as soon as they lose, they both get fired. And Loki's obviously very serious, whereas Big Show's at the end of his career, so he's a lot more laid back. He's ready to retire. He doesn't, he's not really that bothered. You know, he's happy to collect the money, but you know, if he gets sacked and put on commentary, that's fine as well. So Loki's very serious. Big Co- Big Show is very chilled out, sort of taking it as a bit of a joke. And they're constantly in conflict about which one's approach is more correct. So they try one match where Loki has to dress up like the big show and try not to take himself too seriously. And then they, the next match, big show has to dress up like Loki and try some of his moveset and just have like a scowl on his face the whole time. But he can't quite keep it together. Like he keeps breaking character and just pissing himself laughing, which, you know, results in Loki sort of chastising him and thinking that he's not taking it seriously because he's already had a Hall of Fame career, whereas Loki's still got so much to achieve. Um, so that would be another sort of oddball pairing where like normally in a tag team, you talk about like a high flyer and a big guy and a big guy's the muscle. But really in this, Loki is the angry sort of violence and Big Show's the big joker. Um, and it's only through this sort of odd couple chemistry that eventually they learn to get along. Um, can, can the payoff to that be Shafi? That because it actually starts working, they decide to both roll reversal, so they go as the big low and showkey. Sounds good to yeah. me. Would I, I was I was going to ask? Would you Would you rather the team be called Big Low or Showkey? Bam Bam Big Low. Bam Big Low. Sure. <laughs> good. I'm just happy, Shaft, that you've gone through that, and now hopefully we, we get uh, Loki versus Big Show, and I'll just steal that for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you're on the. I, well, as far as I know, you're on the mystery slot this yeah, week for Roundtable because yeah. I, I didn't see what it was. It, it's um, it's a bit of a a short one, uh, not a lot of detail, and I've kind of come up with it on the fly a bit. Um, I was trying to think of a move that isn't necessarily synonymous with a single wrestler uh, that everyone would kind of put a different wrestler to. And the move I've come up with is the moonsault. So I want to know who everyone associates first when I say they hit a great moonsault. Who would you think in your head? So uh, 
I'm going to go around. Uh, Shafi, you're first on my Zoom call. So uh, if I say a moonsault, who do you think is like the king or queen of the moonsault? So I always really liked Kurt Angle's moonsault because he just got so much height and it just looked so beautiful. Um, that, yeah, if you're talking beautiful moonsaults, I, I would go with Kurt. I mean, if you're just saying, you know, moonsaults in general, probably the first one that springs to mind is when One Two Three Kid beat Razor Ramon in 1993. Uh, as an iconic moonsault yeah. use. But yeah, Kurt Angle for me, beautiful. I, I, Angle would be up there for me, I think. Brum, you're next. Um, so for the people of North North Bergen doing the uh, their WSBF bingo, I'm supposed to say like a um, a 90s old Japan wrestle here, aren't I? But actually, um, for me, when I think moonsault, like, especially Trigger, the first thing that goes is S.A. Rios. Like, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I know. I know. I've kind of broke it. That was a secret big Sunday Night Heat fanboy. But yeah, just what I go you to. S- you stayed away from Muta there. I thought Muta was definitely going to be your answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would would, would would have been the obvious one. But but rather than putting on my persona, I'm 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 shooting on this one, telling the truth. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I just I don't know. There's something about the visual of it. I just love. Yeah, I don't. I, not only is it the one I go to, but I just I just love essay races and Muta. Reminds me a little bit of Irish Your Eyes, actually. But um, yeah. Good. Can I go next, Matt? Just yeah, you were going to be next, Tom. So go on, get in. Yeah, so um, I it, the, the only reason I want to go next is because the first name that came to my head was Kurt Angle. Um, and the second name that came to my head wasn't S.A. Rios, but it was S.A. Rios's valet leader. So um, my ideas have somewhat been stolen there. But those are the first two that came to my head. I, I do think that um, Kurt Angle has the best moonsault that I can remember because he does get so high. And I just thought that... I always thought that when Leader hit it, it was just like a big deal during the Attitude Era. Um, when other people were hitting shooting star presses, like her moonsault was still really, really impressive. Yeah, can't argue with that. Ross? Um, for me, every time that someone says moonsault, my brain immediately triggers to an acai moonsault. So it would be the Ultima the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And But obviously the best moonsault of all time is the one that goes sideways, and that's Terry Funk. <laughs> uh, yeah. that off the ladder the crescent moonsault <laughs> hey matt can i well i don't know if, well i know we're running long here already but yeah. I'm like this is a good game like do you want to do another move just while we're doing it uh, well i can yeah does, uh, does, does anyone else no think that's a good it. idea who do you guys most associate the one winged angel with <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to be honest though i did try and think of a move that like multiple wrestlers do and i thought moonsault was one that moonsault's a great shout i do yeah. i do agree with angle angle is probably the one that i think of first but i also think of charlotte's i think charlotte's is great um jericho's is a moonsault yeah i would count jericho's uh obviously sonada i think does a good i know he's never one's cup of tea maybe but i think he's got a great moonsault obviously he's a, a it's an ode to um muta isn't it yeah. um the the moonsault that sticks out in my mind is does anyone remember that one cody rhodes did off the cage yeah, uh, oh, in a yeah. tag match, yeah. that was just bonkers. Like I don't know why. Well, he did it on Dynamite, didn't he? On an even bigger cage against Wardlow before the yeah. MGF. Match. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that. That, ca- that cage was huge. That was a big cage. I, I can't remember if it it was particularly pretty or good, but like, yeah, balls to him for like doing that. It's insane. Um, so yeah, he he. That's the 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 one I think of. Um, and the other one that I think of in terms of iconic is like. Michael's hitting the announce table with that moonsault. I forget the match. 
that it's in. Is it Flair? Yes. Flair, yeah. 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 Where he springboards on. And like, I always think of that. But yeah, angles, I think, is like what you guys have said is the prettiest. Okay. What about this one? Uh, what about Suicide Dive? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I, 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 I go American Dragon. Yeah. I, mine's, mine's similar. I, I, the first person I thought of was Samoa Joe. We yeah. don't, he does the forearm suicider, but it, yeah, it's still a suicide. Oh, not to go back to moonsaults, but no one mentioned Daniels either, by the way. But no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, sorry. Um, I'd, I'd go with Seth for suicide dives, but that's just because he does a lot of them, like rather than them looking particularly good. Like they, they're very safe. Yeah, I mean, Ambrose, well, Moxley's got that problem as well. He's got like the, the least threatening suicide dive in the world. Well, um, like, Historically, when I think of suicide dive, I think of Brett. Like he had a really good suicide dive. Uh, present day, uh, both um, Ray Phoenix and Darby Allen have got really good suicide dives. Uh, Gargano, actually, credit where credit's due. Austin this... Aries has got a good one, right? Yeah, goes through the bottom. The, the heat, the heat seeking missile. I'd say the other bloke that does it all the time, but he kind of made it his gimmick was Jay Lethal. He'd often hit three in a row. Um, and Steve Carino would yell every time, like, this is my third Steve Carino reference this, this week. Crash and burn. Um, Ray Phoenix is not to be all wrestling nerd. He does he does the homicide dive, doesn't he? He does, like, the tope con hilo, which is, like, probably the best dive in wrestling history, like suicide dive and then front flip at the end. That's, like, actually still so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But he hits with such velocity, like he just smashes that guardrail every week. <laughs> every does, week. Does Undertaker's count as a suicide dive? Or is that just a big splash? Yeah, no, over, over the top. I think I think as it's the one most likely to lead to the death of a wrestler, I think it's got to be the suicide dive. <laughs> I also the one that I remember Roman Reigns hit one once and uh, it was amazing. He like landed on like 10 people and the crowd chanted. We still hate you, which I just thought was brilliant as well. I just cannot wait for the pop when Orton hits one. (laughs) (laughs) On Soldier Boy. (laughs) He's got to do it at some point, and it'll be so like like his final match at Mania. He's got to fucking hit a dive. The the thing is, you know, he could do it. Oh oh yeah, Carson's not hundred percent. He would smash it. Yeah, not a question. He'd probably actually. I think Orton would 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 have a, a probably a beautiful. I'm I'm not a big Randy Orton fan, but his uh, his technical ability I don't think is ever in question. He's very very good at everything he does, isn't he? He wouldn't even practice it; he would just nail it first yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. When you said suicide dive, my brain immediately went to Shotzi Blackheart because I'm always like, Jesus Christ, she almost died, but she just yeah. about lives. Oh well, man, Sasha's had a lot of moments like that as well, hasn't she? Yeah. 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 To bring bring it back to later again, that one on Raw. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, oh Cesaro. Do you remember the Cesaro one against yeah. Sheamus? Yeah, that, oh, was, that was, yeah. He never done it again since, has he? Like, rightly so. There was there was also one in that um really good ladder match between Harper and Dolph, where Harper did it and landed onto the ladder. Harper was that's another good shout, actually. He had a great one. Hey, I got one in my mind, like someone might be able to help me out. Um, do you know, has anyone ever done it like I feel like I've got a memory of someone doing like a suicide dive, like so a tope? But then turning like ninety degrees sideways and finishing it in a crossbody. Mm. If not, someone should do that. I uh, copyright Dom Van Dam. <laughs> Bret, just... Hart, um, Bret Hart did that savage one on Bulldog, where he turned it into like a 
<laughs> into like a neck breaker at, at Wembley. Mate, that's that's a good memory. I can't remember that. Just to bring it back to what the nerds are watching, uh, Orange Orange Cassidy did one this week that Penta caught into a gorilla press. Yeah, that was, was pretty yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, that was unreal. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. My like, it's not a suicide dive. It's another one that's got a flip in it. But my favourite one of all time was um, Halloween Havoc '97, and Ray does the Tope Con Hero, but then does it into a Hurricane Rana on the floor. So it's almost like a Dragon Rana to the floor. Unreal. Yeah, but that, that's that's like I know that's such a classic match, but that's the only spot that I remember from it actually. Yeah, same. <laughs> he also he also does that the top rope the backflip DDT. Do you remember that? And and then he tried to do it on CM Punk at WrestleMania and they fucking botched it. <laughs> yeah. I always remember that. Um, brilliant. So, Eric, that's that's a good topic, Matt. I really like that. I think we could play that game on the piss all night long, right? Yeah. 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 That's a, that, yeah, that can go any week. I mean, you've got like Powerbomb, Pile Driver. There's loads of good ones to use. Try it yourself at home, guys. Try it yourself. Uh, only uh, if you properly trained a podcaster. <laughs> um, Okie dokie, book a bingo. E-I-N-G-O and bingo was his name Oh, right, sh- So, okay, let's do a little bit of a... We, we need to give Shaft a shout out because he absolutely smashed it last week um, and that's why we made him come back this week. And hopefully, well, he, he won't win this week because he's in charge, so he'll probably have a week off next week, I'm guessing. Um, so, Shaf, you have got the spreadsheet there for Booker Bingo. Who we got this week? We have got an absolute corker in Booker Bingo this week. Someone who we've just mentioned quite prominently is our first contestant in this contest. That is, of course, Mr. 619 Ray Mysterio. Ooh. And he will be facing... Very famous name in wrestling. It, I am, of course, talking about Rhodes. Not Dusty. Not Dustin. Not Cody. But Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Right. Fucking hell. I'll go, I'll go in the shit slot. Um, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, Dominic gets signed to AW, right? And the um, and the whole story is um, that he comes in as the as the daughter of um, or well, I guess the, the daughter. <laughs> I completely got it wrong. The stepson of Vicky Guerrero. Which, if yeah, you, you, yeah I, I think I think she, she's got the papers and everything. So, like, basically, like Dominic tries to do have his own gimmick, but says no, you know, while you're in my house, my rules. And she has that on a t-shirt, my house, my rules. So, whilst she's there, because because Dominic's still fourteen, he's got to do what Vicky Guerrero says because she's his legal guardian. Um, and they and it's a, it's a really um a really good a really good storyline. Um, and um, he goes, and then eventually it just builds up, builds up to um, to um, to, to Dominic l- losing his shit, and then going, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Vicky, 
you're not my mother anymore. And she's like, what? How can you say that? You know, you, you can't do that. It's like, no, even though I'm only 15 years old, I've emancipated from you. And then Vicky Gray goes, no, that can't be the case because you're only 15. You've got to have a proper legal guardian. He goes, no, okay, then my legal guardian, I've made it official. Here's the paperwork, proper wrestling trope, gets it out of a briefcase. Here's the paperwork. My new mother is Brandy Rhodes. So that from then on, Dominic Guerrero goes on a really good run with uh, Brandy Rhodes as his um as his as his uh, as his mother, as his mum, Mummy Brandy calls her. He's got a t-shirt called Mummy Brandy, it gets really over. And then um Vicky is getting more and more more and more pissed off, trying to interfere in stuff, and eventually it builds up to a match. Dominic Guerrero gets his title match against Kenny Omega. And who intervenes, but signing, he's now become all elite, is his dad. But rather than taking out Kenny, he takes out his son. And it's like, Don, it's like, and Ray's all like, you know, Eddie was my best friend and you've been disrespecting his wife, who did a great job as your mother. Who's this brandy lady? She's not old enough to be your mother. This is absolute bullshit. And they have a blood and good guts match of Brandy Rhodes and um, her new, like, son or a... Or a a guardianship, whatever you call it, Dominic Guerrero versus um, Rey Mysterio. And um, I, I can't remember who I'm supposed to book in this. And Vicky. Um, and it's a, it's a shit match because of the people involved. But to keep, <laughs> it, to, to, to keep it clean, Brandy gets, um, gets the pin with an inverted 619 on Ray. And they carry on, and they're just like the new power couple of AEW, and beat Cody and Jade Cargill um, at the at Revolution. I'm I'm surprised that there aren't more uh, mother son tag teams in wrestling. Actually, <laughs> Linda and Shane would be pretty solid. I don't, uh, I don't think moms want to get involved in wrestling because there's always a danger that they could get put on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, they've got to do Trent and Sue at some point, haven't they? I, I'm sorry, lads. That was that was horrendous. But someone's got to do the opening slot. Mate, mine's mine's not going to be any better. But I'm I'm happy to go next just because I've got an idea to give the other lads a bit more time. Um, hey, I one of my favourite Rey Mysterios. There's been quite a few different incarnations of Rey Mysterio throughout his career. And I think I might have mentioned it before, but I just like the filthy animals were super over in my life. I really, really liked the soup, the filthy animals. Um, I might have thought they were so cool. Like I was always asking like my mum to buy me really baggy cargo trousers and basketball jerseys and red backwards caps. Um, I yeah, I just loved it. So then I would like to see Ray Mysterio, filthy animals, um, have a reason to come in and feud with Brandy Rhodes. And I think to myself, well, what do I associate with the filthy animals? Okay, rap music, um, Master P, Hootie Who, when the No Limit Soldiers came in with the filthy animals. So I imagine Rey Mysterio's cutting around in AEW with Master P and the No Limit Soldiers. And all of a sudden, backstage, they're, they're going around Hootie Who and all over the place. And here's Snoop Dogg with, 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 uh, with Brandy. And 
there's just a little bit of a fracas between uh, Master P and Snoop Dogg. You know, you're you're not the greatest rapper of all time. I am. You're not the greatest wrestling personality that's a rapper, says uh, Rey Mysterio back to Brandy. I am. So what we're going to get is we're going to get a uh, hip-hop showdown where Snoop Dogg sings Brandy to the ring and Master P sings Rey Mysterio to the ring. Um, and we are just going to get a match between Filthy Animals, Rey Mysterio versus uh, Snoop Dogg, Brandy Rhodes to see who is the greatest rapper in the history of wrestling. And then what happens is John Cena, uh, master of thugonomics, um, does a run-in, um, but then Master P and Snoop Dogg team up and send him packing. And it ends up with, uh, I don't know what happens uh, Brandy rolls Ray up, but there's loads of respect because it turns out they're all just phenomenal rappers. Uh, I think Don should get a minus point for not mentioning the best ever wrestling rapper, Oscar from Men on a Mission. Yeah, I wish I got Oscar in somewhere. <laughs> you, you also <laughs> forgot Pierre Have News. Have you ever said that before, Dom? I'm really disappointed myself for not getting Oscar from Men on a Mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I I didn't really want to. To be honest, I'm just I I'm upset at myself for even allowing a John Cena run in because I just felt I was a bit desperate there towards the end to book a finish. Um, but before that, it was such a clean scientific matchup. I should have done the screwball finish. It's fine in respect to um, Brandy's um, father-in-law. Such a screw finish. All oh, right, sorry, Dusty. Yeah, okay, that's too clever for me. Dusty finish. Gotcha. Love that. Uh, so Connolly or I, Ross? I should go next because I've, I think I've gone last a couple of times. So it's, it's only fair if Ross gets the headline spot, I think. Um, so my idea is uh, it, we're going to AEW and uh, Brandy, she's currently pregnant, right? I'm right in believing this. Yeah. And uh, so we'll go a couple of months in the future and it's, uh, it's a celebration of the birth of the new roads. And uh, AEW have managed to pull a few favours and the Mysterios are going to be at AEW for the party to celebrate uh, the birth of a new Rhodes into the world. So uh, there's a party backstage and get little cut backstage. It's probably more WWE style than AEW style, but, you know, Hangman Page is there. He's on the source. It's a boozy one. It's getting a bit boozy. Every time you cut back, you know, the Hangman's in the corner with with Dominic and Dominic's a, he's a young lad. He, he doesn't quite know how to handle his liquor yet. He's getting a bit naughty. It's a bit saucy. Like, everyone's having a good time still, but you can just sort of tell the corner of your eye, like someone needs to maybe get him a Foster's top now. He's had a top, at least make it a top. Like he's, he's had too much, this fella. So Dominic's getting a bit more loud and like some of the segments are being ruined because Dominic's piping up now and you're like, oh. And Ray's like going to Cody. Cody's getting a bit annoyed now. He's like, listen, your son's ruining this. This is meant to be a celebration of the greatest wrestler ever being born and your son is ruining this for me and Ray's like no look look you've invited me we're special guests we're the Mysterios this is I completely understand he, look I'll, I'll, I'll calm him down I'll get him a glass of water he'll be absolutely fine so Dominic's I mean Hangman's can handle it he's he's a hardened drinker at this point but Dominic is a state and the last time we cut back it's just before the main event Darby Allen's defending the belt against Peter Avalon I don't know another jobber and it cuts back one more time and Dominic stumbles into shot and he goes, I've drunk the whole bar. Now it's time for some brandy. 
and he makes a lunge <laughs> at Brandy Rhodes. And, and it kicks off. It kicks off big time. Cody's fuming. Ray's like, no, 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 like, look, no, no, no. I'm, I'm so sorry. This should never have happened. Like, I'll take him home. And nothing said. And the next week, Cody comes out and he's fuming. Um, somehow in, in that brawl, he probably got split open. He's got a big plaster on his head because that's what Cody would do, right? He, he comes out wounded a week later. He's like, listen, I, we all like a laugh. We all like a beer. But Dominic took it way too far last week. I mean, that's not right. So Ray comes out again. Ray's turned up again. And, and the crowd love it. They're like, oh, wow, Ray Mysterio, he's actually in the arena this week. He's not just backstage, you know, with Bruce Pritchard in the green room. He's actually here. Like, he, he's going to come and say something to the AW fans. He's like, look, I love being on this show. Cody, last week, it was great that you invited us. I know we've been spending a lot of time together lately. You know, the last couple of years, people don't know this, but we, we've been really close, me and you. We were, we were good in WWE. We were good friends. And we're even closer now. But the problem is I got too close. And Cody's like, what do you mean? And Ray's like, I am the father of your child, Cody. I am so sorry. I, I had to tell you now. And he low blows Cody. And we get a hill Ray Mysterio. He leaves. He calls for Dominic. He calls for, for backup. Dominic comes out. They leave Cody in a bloody mess in the middle of the dynamite ring. And that's how dynamite goes off the air. Ray has just left Cody an absolute mess. Brandy comes out and... They're like, well, listen, it's bad. He's lost a lot of blood here. We don't think he's going to wrestle for a long time. And Ray's just coming out week on week for the next month on Dynamite going, I'm the baby daddy. I'm the man. Lucha forever. He's ticking all the Ray boxes. He's like, listen, we're 619, me and Dominic. We're going to run the tag division here. And we're going to father all the children of everyone in AEW. He's, it's gone to his head. He's lost the plot. He doesn't even know what he's saying at this point. But Brandy is the one to stand up. She's like, listen, you're not the father. Yeah, we did get close, Ray, but not like that. This is complete lies. We're going to have to have a custody battle, just like you did in WWE all them years ago. We're going to put the custody. That's how confident she is, that she can get the job done with the help of the Nightmare family. I don't even know who's in that, that at this point. Goldust's probably still in it, is he? Some other people. They basically have a big schmozzy match for custody of this new child to the world. I'm not sure if Cody's having a boy or a girl, but um, yeah, and Cody returns mid-match. He takes Dominic out. He pulls Ray down just as he's about to win. There's run-ins galore. It's prime Russo WCW stuff, this. And Brandy eventually succeeds against the odds and wins custody of her own child. <laughs> Gold. The, the one thing I was concerned about is that he gave him a low blow and then he was left in a pool of his own blood. It, it escalated really quickly it got naughty fast oh so there, there were more attacks after that part yeah oh yeah well yeah okay. it, it wasn't a low blow and cody's <laughs> bowel exploded or something no 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 it, okay that's that puts my it, mind at ease. he got a weapon out i don't know what what's ray's <laughs> signature weapon i don't know kendo stick let's say he that. and they just as, leave him as long as he didn't get cody's weapon out it's fine exactly yeah <laughs> I do know that from that, I want to book a wrestling show where a low blow leads to a bowel explosion. <laughs> Ross. Yeah, I've got to try and follow, I follow that. Um, <laughs> so I've gone down uh, rebooking something that happened in the past. I saw that, the, that that you put a little note in the thing, Shaft, but I actually didn't even look even look at that. I just, I just seem to, to recall... <laughs> Um, I seem to recall that um, it was Rey Mysterio that injured Cody when Cody had his face mask on SmackDown. Knee brace. 
and uh, I was thinking of a way that, that uh, I could book Br- Brandy Rose in, into this angle. And I was thinking um, that for like weeks, it shows the highlights of, of the knee brace hitting the, the, the cheekbone. And you see um, hospital stuff with Brandy going to see Cody and it starts off kind of um, in like a, in like a, oh my God, hope Cody's okay kind of way. And then slowly but surely, week by week, he starts to act in a in like a pretty terrible way to like towards her, um, kind of being a bit um, demeaning towards her, and to the point where she's uh, uh, still our ring announcer on SmackDown at the time, and and he's forcing her to wear to wear the face mask that he now has to wear. Um, so when she's doing the um, SmackDown show, she's uh, she's wearing the mask that Cody's forced to be wearing. Um, and he's basically saying that he can't wrestle at WrestleMania, but Brandy can. Uh, so Brandy's going to wrestle uh, Ray. Obviously, she doesn't want to. Uh, she's not a trained wrestler. Um, Ray Mysterio is an, an ultimate babyface, unlike over on Dynamite, where he's <laughs> the biggest hero in the world. Um, he's booked as the ultimate babyface that he should be. Um, and he doesn't want the match to go ahead, but um, for some reason it's been signed and it's happening. Um, but the one um, thing that Ray has to do in this match is to wear the brown bag over his head, which Cody Rhodes would make all the people in the front row wear during that time on SmackDown. Um, so that's um, the kind of match stipulation that is Brandy without a brown bag, but with the face mask on against Rey Mysterio with his mask on and a brown bag so we can't see what he's doing and the match happens and Rey's walking around the walking around the ring can't can't really see where he's going like a like a blind like a blindfold match with Jake Roberts and Rick Martel um and um Brandy calls um Cody into the ring and Cody thinks that he's going to get a cheap shot on Mysterio but after all the kind of things that has been been happening to Brandy because um, Cody's lost his mind from what's happened to him. She actually is the one that pushes him onto the ropes, takes the bag off the head of Rey Mysterio and Rey Mysterio gives the 619 to, to Cody and the match is, is given a, a no contest and it's Brandy and Rey embracing, not as a couple or anything, but just saying like, okay, so Cody's got his... Um, comeuppance Ray Mysterio hasn't ha- hasn't touched Brandy in any way physically so he's the ultimate babyface because he, he didn't want the match to, to happen and and Cody can um f- can f- can from there have his match against Ray um with a bit more back um kind of background behind it as Ray still is the face and not the heel nice lovely okay so obviously this was a very difficult challenge, I think, this week. We seem to be unfortunate, and we keep drawing intergender matches, which are never the easiest to book. Uh, we've had Kaylee Ray, Santino. Last week, we had Aja Kong and Brian Adams. This week, we've had, obviously, Brandy and Rey Mysterio. Um, so it was a big challenge. Well done to Brum for taking the death spot and taking the bullet for everyone there, I think. Um but ultimately, it's very difficult for me to look past Connolly this week. Um, as someone who's teetotal myself, you know, people that have too much to drink and are a real pain in the ass of something that I can relate to. 
So Dominic getting on the beers and having one too many and causing absolute carnage at at the christening is something that I could, uh, <laughs> I think I would enjoy watching. Um, you did a lot with very little there, I think, Conman. So congratulations. The brandy Ooh, line was gold. It was very good. It I came up with good. that at the start and built a story around it. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. He's, he's just an alcoholic and he uses <laughs> his advantage. But uh, yeah, great stuff. You will, of course, be in charge of the spreadsheet next week. Yeah. Did, I, like, I feel like, like, did I just get an insight into why I wasn't invited to Shafi's child's christening? <laughs> <laughs> Dom, I'm sure he just said Dom got on the beers. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of insight, Dom. Muslims don't tend to have christenings. <laughs> it's, it's a little known fact. But it's not really something that we do. <laughs> I'm not, mate. I'm not touching that. <laughs> All right, scholars. There we have it. Another one done and dusted. Episode twelve is in the books. Thank you so much to everyone that helped out today. Thank you to the Sultan Shafi, Ross the Boss Casey, and the two Mats. And thank you most of all to you, dear listener. Don't forget to give us all your support, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, rate, review, subscribe, and don't forget about performing it as a live action play. That's all we've got time for in episode 12. Everyone wrestling should be fun. Until next week, though, drink lots of water. Look after you, mates.